Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Believe in Badgers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined as always by Badger legend, the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Bernie, how are we doing today? Dude, every day is a holiday on the podcast. Uh, we got we got Coach Scruggs. I'm already in love with you, man. Just from just talking <laughs> about recruiting for five minutes, um, <laughs> it it brings me back to like the good old days of. Like when a coach, you were just saying it, like when a coach would call you, that was like your first interaction and it. you were like, well, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> um, and if they left a message cause you weren't there, like you got a message. Oh. Uh, so it just, it, it kind of brings it back. And then it's funny cause dude, on my board was like two teams, maybe three. Yeah. And when Wisconsin basically came knocking, my dad's like, dude, you'd be crazy not to go to the big 10. They love fullbacks. And that's Big Ten football. Yeah. And I was like, where the hell is it on the map, Dad? Yeah, exactly right. So, uh, no but uh, but it's just funny because, oh man, it's it was between them and Syracuse. So really? it was like a, a, two crazy different different schools. They actually wanted me to play D line. How crazy is that? That's not crazy at all. You should <laughs> come over to the dark side, man. That's <laughs> crazy. Said, you you guys are people that I never wanted to be around. Like I mean, <laughs> at the bar for sure. And no doubt. Not a practice, not running the football. <laughs> oh, sucks, man. Yeah, no, I feel it, man. No, I feel it. Uh, before we get into anything, want to remind you guys that we are presented by betonline.ag, where they remain your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it over there at BetOnline. NBA playoffs in full swing, as are the NHL playoffs. Always some good UFC, boxing, bath, baseball, I mean, Casino games, card games, it's all over there at betonline.ag. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V, BetOnline, where the game starts. No, it, it, uh, it, is, it, it was a time that, that this thing was really like exhilarating. I, I missed that time, not because I have to live in it now, but because... The kids will never know the, the thrill of not knowing who is calling or, you know, caller ID. It wasn't like it was now where the caller ID popped up with where it was from. Everybody was just a wireless caller, right? And so it's like, you answer the phone, it's like, hey, hey, uh, Greg. Like, yeah, like, Lloyd Carr, University of Michigan. I'm like, <laughs> You got to turn the TV I, off. Yeah. yeah. How you doing? How you doing, Coach? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it, you know, I, they they missed that. You know what I mean? Because now everything's apparent in their face. You know, um, you know, we 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 get we got to see them. We got to tweet them. We got to send them graphics. We got to do all these things. Versus like, hey, uh, get a little knock on the door, and so and so's at the door. Uh, can I can I borrow Greg for a second? And I didn't know they were coming by school. You know, like we didn't have cell phones and texting was illegal, you know, so I didn't know that was happening. It was just like, hey, can I see you for a second? And then there was the thrill of what was popping out. What am I going to see? 
oh, hey, how you doing, coach? Good. You know, they go back in the room, go home. You're like, yeah, no, that was all good. I was just produced out by the day, coach. Yeah. You know, that was <laughs> it, man. You know, Wait, coach, just, coach you know. did they have a class that they came most of the time? Like, I remember it was always math class. My teacher hated yeah. it. Got yeah, pulled out yeah. every math class for a coach. For sure, yeah. Mine was always, um, I can't, uh, what class was it? I just know where I was. It was always my class on the second floor, into the hallway to the left. That was the door that I always got. I can't remember what class, it, but it was one class or, or, um, you know, it was before school because my house was actually on the campus of my high school. So, like, I lived in, I lived in a program. I lived in a house that was provided by a program. And so I lived in the parking lot of my high school. So it didn't cost me anything to show up at school an hour early. So they were always before or after. And then after it picked up, it always had to be after because for me, it was like, there was one point in time I had somebody in the principal's office, assistant principal's office, the head coach's (laughs) office, and then the front row. And the guy I had in the front room, I had to meet with in the front room because if we went back to the principal's office, that was going to be somebody else. You know what I mean? So yeah, uh, it was all, yeah, it was, wow, man, that's nostalgic. I wish they could feel it. Sorry. Because <laughs> you were at St. Saviors, right? In, in, in Cincinnati, yeah. you were you at St. Saviors, which is, for those who don't know, a powerhouse in the state of Ohio, like a, an absolute powerhouse, putting out tons of power five kids every year. But you didn't really start football until a little bit later in your in your uh high school career did you no man i was i was in the marching band and i was a drummer and a basketball player and i did not like football players because i felt like they had this arrogance about them and uh, i wanted i wanted nothing to do with them and i felt like (laughs) if push came to shove and i really had to knock one of these dudes out like i could do it and i'm going to change the narrative around band members you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> like, this is not the one time at band camp type of kid right here. No, no, like, no, no. Um, and amongst other things, man, it did really teach me discipline. I love music. I love, I love playing um, drums. I, you know, was, my, bro- my older brother got me into it. My family was a family of musicians. So um, it was, it was something I was passionate about. It wasn't until it became real that I wanted to go to college which I credit say next to because I spent a lot of time in life just wanting to graduate high school. And then I got around the people at St. Nick's that were super influential in my thought process about how rea- how much of a reality college could be. So, you know, uh, I had to figure out a way to do it. it. The first was getting the thought of college. The second one was <laughs> realizing how much it cost and that my mother couldn't afford it. So then it was like, okay, well, what can I do? Well, they said you can go to the military and it could happen. Cool. I'll go to the military. I got no problem. I, I got no problem. My great grandfather was in uh, World War II and he was my idol. So I'll do what he did. And then it was, or you could play sports. Okay. I'll do sports there. Yeah. Sure. And that's what happened. And, and so, uh, football showed up. When, when, when did that show up? Are you junior year? Uh, yeah. So funny story. My junior year, I showed up my street, my junior year. I came to uh, practice, told the coach that I would play. And it was a day much like a day like today out here in Madison, but it probably was a couple more, a little bit more blue sky, but this is, this is a pretty good day. And I said, (laughs) I laid in the bed and said, man, I can either go to a weight room and get yelled at, or I can go work out. I mean, or I can go to the basketball court. I think I had gone to workouts for like two weeks. Now I'm going to play basketball. And that was the extent <laughs> of my football career my junior year. 
That was it. I was extending my football career my junior year. And then it was after that, um, that my senior year, I said, man, I don't want to leave any stone unturned. Like I can't, I can't leave any stone unturned. I have to, um, I have to be able to say that I maximized my college career. Story will go, man, man, my, my high school coach came in and said, you got to tell me why you want to play. And this is somewhere documented. Um, I don't know if it's on video somewhere, but he said, why do you want to play? And I said, um, um, you know, I want to earn a scholarship. He said, we got to have more to you than that. He said, well, quite honestly, which I still feel to this day, I said, coach, I want to play for you. And he's like, done, like <laughs> done, let's do it. And I did. And so we achieved that goal and, you know, life kind of happened. So my perspective on coaching and everything around it is different because I didn't grow up, you know, just a meathead. Not to say that people who play all their lives are just me heads, but yeah. I did it, man. So when I tell these guys, like, and I recruit kids and I'm coaching these kids, it's like, man, you better have a plan for life after football. I'm not hating on you. It's because it's who I was. <laughs> so don't don't take me as the one that's hating. I got to go play at the next level. So don't, I'm not hating on you. I want you to do it. But understand that wasn't my life's goal, the passion, dream. I just wanted to graduate high school and then I just wanted to graduate college. And then the rest of it just happened because I worked my tail off, paid attention to my coaches and put my mind down, um, put my mind to the thing that I said I wanted to do once I got the belief. Most people have belief in me that I could do it. So that's kind of the trajectory of my life, if you will, from an athletic perspective. But it's such a unique, like, origin story of someone yeah. who is, like, against football yeah. in the marching band, which I was in the band, too, in high school, which is not the marching band. Um, I, I went the to saxophone. band camp. I was that much in the band. I went, I was in the band, yes. the orchestra, <laughs> yes. jazz band, yes. and yes. the wind symphony. So, um, yes. I, yes. I'm coach, I will have to talk to you offline about some of those oh, experiences. I forgot about the Absolutely. jazz band, Matt oh, yeah. Perkins. I, I was in the jazz band. I just forgot go. about it. Uh, yeah, I was also terrible, man. but it's such a unique story because you went from basically not playing into your senior year to use it to get to college. Then you play in the, in the NFL and now yeah. you're back coaching at such a high level i just yeah. find it to be like your story must fit really well with kind of the, the things you preach to the guys you know what was most unique about my opportunity in sports was that it allowed me to touch or i guess to say in life was it allowed me to touch every corner of the locker room and i prided myself on being a good teammate i didn't have any arrogance about me nobody in my family did sports so there was nobody pumping me up as to how great i was going to be or how great I should be. My mother didn't stand on the sideline and ask why my baby isn't playing. My mother was just happy that y'all let me on the team. You know, <laughs> she didn't even realize how much of an, um, I want to say freak athlete, but the athlete that her son was, right? Like they don't just make, they don't just pop them out at six, four and a half, six, five, and can run fast and with, you know, abnormally long arms, right? Like yeah. she didn't understand it. And so because of that, I always grew up in sports humble and humbly, you know, just always wanted to just work to go make the team and play a couple minutes. Um, and then once I got to college, I just wanted a degree. And I had coaches who instilled, Coach Ken Delgado, he instilled discipline in me, like from the get-go. It was all about discipline and discipline. And I don't care who you are, it's about discipline and discipline. And then once I got to, and then Coach Hurt, Coach Clint Hurt, the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks now, he was the one that said, you can play on Sundays, but you need to be a tougher football player. Like the, the football player that you are right now, I was not tough enough. 
you got to be tougher and I'm going to hammer you and hammer you and hammer you and hammer you and hammer you. So then I had to learn how to work hard. I had to be put in uncomfortable positions and I had to learn how to be physically and mentally tough. It's not that I didn't want to be, but, you know, I, I was forced to be. And then when I got to the National Football League, it was like, now you got to learn how to be a pro. And then I started getting involved, not that I wasn't involved in the community, but then I started getting really involved and ingrained in the community all across Seattle. Well, in order to touch that community, I had to be able to touch different points of the locker room because I wanted to be around different people. And so this story has kind of been shaped uniquely to, to, to help me be in this position because I didn't have any preconceived notions about anything, any corner of the locker room. If you went to a private school or public school, it didn't make any difference to me. You just went to school and you played football, meant nothing to me. And so as I began to getting the coaching, first in player development, but I, as I began to get into coaching, it allowed me to appreciate everybody's walk because I had everybody's walk. The walk on might not have been the greatest player at the school. I wasn't. Believe it or not, there were several people that were better than me. Um, and I'm not even starting with Luke Keekley. You know, I'm starting with Fred Craig, who was an Army All-American safety that went to Stanford. I'm starting with Derry that Darius Harrison, who was an Army All-American running back that came to Louisville with me. Uh, Stephon Ball, who was a three-star tight end that came to Louisville with me. And you go on and on. Matt James, five-star left tackle, Notre Dame. Luke Massa, four-star quarterback, Notre Dame. John Hurley, our quarterback, didn't play college football, but could have went to Northwestern. Like, So I wasn't the best player. So I can relate to that corner of the locker room. And then the guy who thinks he is somebody. Well, until you get to where I've made it, I'm better than you. Like I just that's the bottom line <laughs> to it. So don't try to don't try to wow me with who you think you are as a player because I've made it to where you want to go. So now that helped me touch that corner of the locker room. And then I grew up in the inner city of Cincinnati, that corner. When I went to St. Nick's High School, that corner. And then I breached out. So my athletic journey has put me in positions to be able to touch every corner of the locker room and every guy in the room because I feel like I can relate to most and it helps me as a coach to not single out or draw favoritism towards one corner or another helps me to stay neutral and to love all my guys the same, which is my ultimate goal. Now talk to us a little bit more. You mentioned the player development role you first had at Cincinnati. Talk to us a little bit more about what you did in that and how that's sort of different than what you do as a position coach um, and sort of, and, and what you're doing in those two roles. What I try to be unique with Matt is I try not to distinguish either one of those. So when I was director of player development, my job was to care for those kids in every single aspect of their lives. So if there was an issue, when you moved on to campus, the first face you saw was me. Mom and dad saw me. If they wanted to go to Target, I took you there. If you wanted to go elsewhere, I showed you where to go. If your son was sick and he didn't want to tell anybody, you called me. If there was an issue, a conflict, that was me. So I tried to help grow those young men in every aspect of their life. Socially, professionally, athletically, academically, spiritually, holistically, I tried to touch them in every way that I could. Was I the best at it? No. But I'm, I tried to make it a point of emphasis that, listen, everything I do has nothing to do with football. I will help you because I know it, but it has nothing to do with football. So utilize that or move that over to coaching. I haven't changed. I just have to spend a little bit more time on the football aspect. I still want you to be the best human being that you can be. I still coach football and with the belief that I am teaching the fundamentals of life through football. So the things that we talk about in our room are all transferable skills to life. I'm just using this 100-yard field, or if you want to get in the technical, the 120-yard field, 53 and the third wide field, right, to teach you these things. 
how to deal with adversity, how to deal with conflict resolution, how to be mentally tough, how to deal with control with your emotions and compartmentalizing and knowing when to acknowledge them, how to be able to play hard and play tough, how to be disciplined, how to be accountable. Those are all transferable skills to life that I'm trying to use football to teach. It's the same thing that I was doing when I was an director of player development. All of that, and then I try to let you know that you got a coach for life. Call me. You got a coach for life. I gave you my number. I committed to you. Regardless of what happens with your athletic career, my, my life's purpose is to serve people. And I just so happen to be placed here by God to serve you. And so if I'm serving you, then my job is to not serve you only in the interim, but serve you for the extent of whatever that is. Um, and so I haven't, I haven't differ. I try not to differentiate. Only thing I differentiate is the time that I have, that I have uh, allowed to growing you and building you up in other ways. So what, what made you want to switch from player development to coaching on the field? Well, in full transparency, it was just a knowledge that I got uh, from God. I'm a big man of faith. Um, so it was a noise that I just got from above, man. We had just lost our D-line coach at the university. And coach would tell you when I interviewed for the director of player development job, I wanted nothing to do with coaching. And he was looking for somebody who wanted nothing to do with coaching because he didn't want anybody trying to use that position as a shoe into coaching because the kids wouldn't get the true dedicated care that they needed in all the aspects and areas outside of coaching. And so I just had this urge. Uh, ironically, I was at a mental health symposium trying to get better as a director of player development when this all went down. And I just called coach and said, hey, if you need me, I, I, I slept on it. I felt this little something in my gut, man. I just can't explain it. And I called coach and said, if you need me, call me. Period. And that was it. And I called coach Freeman and said the same thing. If you need me, call me. And I know I haven't done it. And I said I wanted nothing to do with it. But I'm here to help our team and I'm here to help our kids. And if I have to do, if this is what's in the best interest of helping our kids, then I will do it. I will step away from this job that I love dearly and I will do it. And uh, I did. And it worked out. And I, this part of the story that a lot of people don't know, there was no, there was no like, all right, move your office down. It was, okay, we'll interview tomorrow or whatever day that was. So here I am working in, the, working in the building that I'd already been working in for a couple of years. And I show up the next day with a suit jacket on and tie, and I got a resume <laughs> and I could meet with recruiting, who I already had met with, you know, I mean, I worked closely with. And I had to meet with recruiting um, and I had to interview in front of the entire defensive staff and get asked questions and put theories up on the board. And it took a lot of preparation, but here we are. So. So that's that's kind of a, a long-winded answer, but I try not to differentiate the two, man. I, I, I try to make sure that um, they're one and the same and that when I made that decision on that hunch to, to do it, that I maintain that integrity of taking care of the student athlete before trying to make them a great football player. Believe in Badgers is excited to be brought to you by Infinigods. Infinigods is a gaming studio with a suite of free, fun-to-play games centered around ancient mythologies and civilizations. Visit Infinigods.com to play their first game, Infinimerge, and learn about their upcoming tower defense game. Play for fun or play to compete and take your shot at winning digital collectibles. That's Infinigods at Infinigods.com, unleashing the power of blockchain games. Uh, so, Coach, you, you, you're, you're in Wisconsin now. You've got the Motion W. You know, what does it mean 
what what do you know of of I guess the history and the culture and kind of what does it mean to be like leading a group of men um, for for the University of Wisconsin? Yeah, I think two things. The first is you know the history of Wisconsin without knowing the history of Wisconsin, which is a pretty cool deal to be able to walk into. Because when I ask everybody, what do you know about Wisconsin? Like the University of Wisconsin. Well, I know they play tough football. I know they play fast, hard, physical. They always got some big dudes. And that's usually about the extent of anybody who knows <laughs> nothing about Wisconsin. That was my knowledge of Wisconsin. It was like, I don't know anything about Wisconsin. I know they play tough football. I know they got tough people, right? So when that is kind of your resume and your history, it makes it easy to work here. So um, take it to the second thought, which is walking into that with knowing that's on the outside and then seeing that's actually what it's made up of. And then this, the seeing the history uh, along the walls in the building, down in Badger Alley, in every meeting room here, seeing the the history of the players who played here, down in the locker room now, the beautiful wall that talks about the guys who played here, the walk-ons and the tradition and legacy of that, the coaches and the tradition and legacy of that, I think is a pretty cool, excuse me, a pretty cool deal to be a part of um, because you want to be a part of something historic. You want to have the challenge, at least I do, I want to have the challenge um, to be able to uphold a standard and to know that you have a measuring stick versus kind of laying the ground and the foundation for one makes it pretty cool. And to know that there are a lot of people who come around here, alumni, fans, just support or any, you know, typical supporters or your casual supporter alike that are looking for you to uphold the standard, which is good kids, great football. Um, in awesome kind of environment. And so walking into that, you know, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? You know, so um, let, I think it's I think it's pretty cool. Let's talk about that specific room, your specific room of guys, because you have a lot of veterans in there. You walk in, you've got Rodas, you've got James, you've got Tree, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. guys who've been in the program for a while and know what it means to be sort of in that tradition Talk to us about the vibe in the room when you walk in and sort of how you run your meeting. Yeah, the guys know, man, when I when I come in, I in one, you know, I talk to you guys the same way that I talk to them. And I talk to them the same way I talk to you all. I try not to change who I am. I always try to be authentically me. I, I want to make sure that the guys have fun. So the vibe in my meeting, if you ever come to practice right before we go out on the field, I crank up the volume on the speakers as loud as they go. And even before we go out there, if I'm just in the mood, I turn it up. And sometimes the first three minutes of the meeting are nothing but me reliving my college days and y'all listening to me lip sync these lyrics. Oh, right? what are you listening because, to? I got to know what you're listening to. Well, it depends. Um, let's see. The other day, uh, the other day we had some, uh, it was, I would say two weeks ago, let's say two weeks ago, it was Island Music. Um, there's an artist out of Hawaii that uh, I was listening to. It's kind of a specific reggae vibe. And then after that, uh, it was uh, Waka Flocka, uh, one of the one of the songs that I used to listen to when I pulled up the workouts in the morning. You know, <laughs> I told those guys I got to listen to the edit version because I can't take that stuff anymore, man. But uh, when I was in college, I used to bang it. I had two twelves in my trunk, man. I used to bang that thing. And then other day in this country, um, up here on the coach's floor, I was banging '90s rock before uh, or last Tuesday. Um, so it's kind of all over the place. Um, but the Coach, one does thing anyone I know what two twelves are anymore? No, they don't. No, they don't. It's not a, a thing. shame. It is a damn it's shame. It's a shame. I, they, did you not get, a thing. 
I, the Crunchfield catalog was a just a gem oh, every month when it no. showed up in my house. Oh, no doubt. You're looking at all the cars and the way that it's laid out. And they got the glass <laughs> case with the lights. I'm like, okay, all right, I can't afford that, but that's cool looking. I'm going to do that one day. The you system know? in my first car was worth more than the car itself. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I think mine was worth half of my first car. <laughs> yeah. So um, It's just so funny no, to hear no. somebody say 212s and like, I would say half the world doesn't even know what that is anymore. No, it's so no, sad. Not, no. The kids are like, you always talk about your 212s, coach. I'm like, because everybody had 212s well, and 210s yeah. in that truck when I was a kid. That's why I'm not the outlier here. I'm just telling you what it was, you know? Yep. Um, but I try to keep the, I try to keep the mood light. You know, I think what's unique about our meetings is that we talk about football, but we also talk about life. Um, and I make sure that I always take that time because if this, if this is the time that I have with all of you, I want to make sure everybody gets the message. I'm not going to call up um, you one by one to talk about it unless there is something that's apparent. We had a conversation the other day about um, emotional intelligence, understanding your feelings, understanding others, being sympathetic and empathetic towards people, understanding trauma and how we deal with it. And what are we going to do to deal with it? And I make that relevant to football and being able to succeed despite whatever issue you may have going on outside of the field. Not to say that we don't acknowledge it, but understand how to acknowledge it and when to acknowledge it and who to acknowledge it with so that we can continue to be successful in football. But that's also a transferable skill of life because life will move on without you. So that's kind of the vibe right there. My room is a great room because of the leadership you talk about. They're all receptive to that type of information. I think young people yearn for that information. And then if you get a group of young men that are all sticking together, um, that all are on the same accord, it makes it easy to get that message to disseminate because if you are the outlier that doesn't want to hear it, you become the outlier. If you never uh, acclimate or if you never adjust in, then you're just the outlier. And so having leadership in that room is great. Having guys who play some ball is really good. We obviously still have a long way to go. I just got done having my player meetings today, my one-on-ones with these guys. And talking about every, they all had to set out goals for me and write them down at the beginning of the spring. And every single one I came in and said, how do you think you did on your goals? And all I was looking for was honesty with those guys to tell me what they felt like they achieved, what they weren't honest with, what they could have been better at, this, that, and the third. Why? Because I think that they have to have a safe space to be able to say, I failed. And, and not have somebody chew them out but understand that you get another opportunity, you get the grace to continue to grow. So if you said I didn't achieve, quite achieve the goal that I wanted to achieve or the objective that I wanted to achieve this spring, cool, I got it. I appreciate that honesty. Now, what are we gonna do to be better at it? And then as we continue to raise the standard, right, the, uh, the, the room for error becomes minimal, which allows me as a coach to put a little bit more pressure on you because it's a standard that you set that I didn't have to. Um, and you take ownership of it and you own it. So now I can be a little bit more of a stickler with things. And it all started off with you just start. It all started off with you just acknowledging that I wasn't as good as I needed to be. I need to be better. I want to be better. Set the standard to get better, getting better. And then that window just gets smaller and smaller and finite. I was here at 655 and I told myself I'd be here at 650 every day. So at 653, um, I can get on you about staying, being disciplined, you know, so, um, you know, it's it's good to have a room like that, man, that that you can you can coach them up and you can teach them life and they yearn for it, man. It is I could brag on those guys all day. Um, man, it's cool. 
all the guys too. I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my kids back at my previous institution, man, because those kids were no different. Um, I've been blessed with some some good some good group good good group of men, and with the Jets, it was probably the same. Those some good dudes too. You know, Bernie's a Jets fan. Huge Jets oh, fan. Oh, you're a Jets fan? Yeah, and a buddy. Isn't that right? I'm not excited we got Aaron Rodgers until we win a Super Bowl with him, and then I love that we got him. But yeah. we, you had we, we can't dog. talk to yeah. Quentin Williams, we, though, man. You got to work with Quentin Williams, dude. That, as a Bills that fan. That guy's a beast. I'm a Bills fan, and he terror Like, I have sleepless nights because of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was uh, uh, Aaron Whitecott, the defensive line coach up in uh, New York is a tremendous one of the smartest people I know I don't want to say defensive line coaches but he knows what he knows what I mean when I say that he's one of the smartest defensive line coaches I know because he has the ability to be able to be a defensive coordinator right now um but working with him and then being able to work with Quentin and kind of sitting down with him you know it was cool for me because I understand Doug I call Aaron Doug yeah I understand Doug's position he has to run the role I got to kind of watch his six and sit down with the guys one-on-one and kind of fill in the areas and space that he might have had to leave open because he's the guy that's running the room, which I understand. And then, so I got to work a lot with Quentin one-on-one and a lot of those guys one-on-one, but um, particularly with Q. And we sat down to try to put together a plan of what he wanted to accomplish this year. He told myself, he told Dub. I held him to that standard and he accomplished it. Dub held him to that standard and he accomplished it which is really cool to see. But you talk about a guy that wanted it, that really wanted it. I mean, I wish I could get this thing to pop up. I took a picture of this notebook in the middle of the season. This will be the first time I shared this publicly outside of guys in my room. Okay, this was the middle of the season. So I told these to the guys about taking notes, et cetera, et cetera. I say, this was the greatest deep tackle on planet Earth by every manager, and you can't convince me. Last year, right? Last year, he was the what? best tackle on planet Earth, and there is no question about that. And this was his notebook in the middle of the season. Let's see if I can get this thing not to blur. Oh yeah, because you got that blur background. You're gonna have to pull yeah, back a little bit. Don't be too smart. All right, if I'm oh, there, we there go. Yeah, there it is. There it okay, is. All right, right here. Let me yeah. see if I can zoom this thing in a little bit. Right. Yep. Yep. And this was his playbook in the middle of the season. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, I mean, not a, you know what I mean? That not his playbook. That was his notebook. Yeah. In the middle of the season. So when I look at guys and I say, if this was the greatest D tackle on planet Earth and this was his notebook, what excuse do you have? That's what's cool is that he took that to heart. And you could go, you can go all across the board in that row. Obviously, Q gets all the credit a lot of the time because he was a fourth overall pick. But Solomon Thomas was no different. Watch his trajectory from beginning to the end. Uh, John John Franklin Myers is no different. Watch his trajectory from beginning to the end. Nate, she- Nate Shepard just got signed uh, down south, right? His trajectory is no different. Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens, Bradley Knott, who was on the uh, practice squad. Tenzel Smart, who's awesome football player. Um, these guys all had the same trajectory, and it was really cool. You know, it wasn't just cute, but it goes back to the type of room that I'm trying to build and mold because all of those guys were on the same page, every last one of them. Carl Lawson, same thing. You know what I mean? All these guys. Bryce Huff, same thing. I don't want to forget any of those guys, man, but they were all one accord. Michael Clemens, Jermaine Johnson, all of one accord and how we are going to get better and work with one another to do so. So that was pretty cool. But your your philosophy of about coaching is so unique. 
I think, you, you know, coming from the old school where you would get chewed out for, you know, coaches set the bar here. And if you did anything less, it was not okay. So it's uh-huh. so interesting that you're able to evolve, I would say, to this new kind of way of coaching. Because the, uh-huh. the kids are not the same as they were 30 years ago, uh-huh. 20 years ago uh-huh. when we were playing it. We've changed. So the whole world's changed. Right. I just love that about you. We could talk about that for forever. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I think it's so Where does that uh, come special. from? Yeah. Like, where does that, yeah, where does I, that I just think it's so special come you. from? Um, you know, uh, it's the player development in me. That's number one. And I, I've always tried to, I'll always try to be a culmination of all of my coaches with a little bit of who I wanted to be. Um, and I think the, the, the biggest thing that I'm trying to uh, never lose sight of is developing young people and understanding kind of what I needed at times. So the, my, my best coaches were the ones that I had great relationships with. And I understand from player development and just life that with great relationships comes great trust. And so if I can build a good relationship with you, then I can get you to trust me. If I can get you to trust me, then I can push you to whatever limit I need to push you to. So I come in with the with the idea of establishing a relationship to develop a good person first. And then once you understand that I have your best interest as a person, now we use coaching. And it's a pretty quick turnaround, not the, not the trust piece. But the relationship to you know transitioning from the relationship as a person to relationship as a coach, I still have the hard nosed coaching. It just doesn't sound the same way. Why? Because I was a person that you didn't need to cuss and scream at. I did. You didn't need to. I was scared enough that my mother was going to be disappointed in me. I didn't need <laughs> you to yell and cuss and scream. Trust me. Whatever you're going to say to me, it is ten times better than me than you calling calling my mother and telling her that I did something wrong or wasn't working hard. I promise you. So I don't need you yelling and screaming. So as a result, um, I'm the same way. And then I, I look back to like my high school coach, Steve Speck. He got the most, I've never wanted to run through a wall more um, before I got to the league and I heard Red Bryan speak. Um, I never wanted to run through a wall more than when I heard Steve Speck give a pregame speech and he never cussed, not one cuss word, right? So it wasn't this old school pick it up. It was more so hitting at the heartstrings and the thing that meant most to you. And so that's what I try to do, try to learn you. That's why recruiting is difficult for me because I try to learn kids. I don't give you one-liners. I'll call you and have a conversation. And so with my guys in the room, I do the same thing. Now, what does that do for me, Matt? Man, that allows me to now be as hard hard on you as I need to be. And it's my job not to ruin that and understand that. So the head coach is going to be hard on you, but I'm going to be hard on you too. I had a kid, I won't say who, in my room today when I met with him. I said, here's the deal. You're going to do this because you will be great. And I'm not going to, I am not going to sleep until this happens. That's no different than MFing the kid, right? And negative talking to him and bad mouthing him. I had a guy on the field. I came, I said, come here, come here. Your body language stinks. I'm telling you, your body language stinks. I don't like the way it's going. So you can either waste the rest of this day or we can go get better and grow. But you have to make that decision. But I'm just telling you right now, your body language absolutely stinks. And I I didn't do it in front of the group. I didn't do it in front of peers. I brought him over to me and I talked to him exactly how I wanted somebody to talk to me because that's going to hit more than anything. I'm not trying to show you up. I'm not trying to cuss you out. I'm telling you what I see. 
It is my job to make you a great person and a great player. And right now we are going to, we are going to waste this day and I'm not going to allow it to happen on my watch. I think kids responded to that. That's no different. No different. But on the last then, day of spring ball, somebody's body language wasn't good. Yeah, you, I felt like I was walking on a cloud the last day. I'm like, man, let's get out of here. No, man. No, man. It, you know, you, you kind of get to, well, Part of the challenge is I don't allow the guys to barn sniff. You know, you guys know what barn sniffing is. I don't allow them to start to smell the hay in the barn and start to just get all out of whack and start yeah. to go run rampant wild. So you have to be locked in. Well, guess what you stop focusing on? All the things outside of his practice and the things that are in his practice. You start focusing on how my body hurts, how I'm tired, how many more periods we got. I thought practice was over. We still do X. We got Y. The spring game was over. Practice was over after the spring game last year. We still got blank and I still got blank. Uh, like now you got to focus on this and now you start focusing on all the real things that matter. Boom. That's exactly the dude I want. Cause I want to yeah. see what are you going to do when you have nowhere to go? Like I want to know that person because now I get a chance to teach you and I know how it's going to be. We've been through it. I know what it feels like. So I, I want that person because that's the person I need to get to and need to mold. And, uh, that's the unique thing and cool thing about coaching, man. So yeah, last day of spring ball, I'm like, you stink. <laughs> All right. Your body language is not good, man. It's not. And we're going to waste the day. And I'm going to allow you to do it. Now, you all know, have seen, been around, had it happen to you. That's no different than saying, get out of your flipping panels and flipping panels. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, I, I did the same thing, except I talked to you the way that I wanted somebody to talk to me. And I'm, I guarantee you, I'm going to get the same exact result. The same sure. one. Because I can't one. assume that you have the, if not a better one, because I can't assume that you have, and this is not a, a shade to anybody, not in my room, especially on this team, but I can't assume that you had the mental toughness to handle somebody talking to you crazy. So I can get the same result out of you without without having you feel demeaned. I don't, I don't expect you to have the maturity to understand the words and the message and not the way that the message was delivered. I don't expect that. And I'm not even going to give you the chance to think that. I'm just going to tell you you what I think about it straight up and there's no if and or but no extra bunch of talking no no over um I'm not over emotional about it here's what you're going to do and this is what you're going to do to get better this is what I see period that's life you come in you get evaluated you bet you're either doing what you're supposed to do or not doing what you're supposed to do and then they said join your merry way that's the national football league that's life that's your 360 assessment that's your quarterly assessment or eval or eval from your manager, supervisor, superintendent, boss, whatever would have you. That is life. And I try to keep it the same way. Don't get mad at me. It is what it is. Coach, I could literally talk to you all day, but I know we, we've already taken up a ton of your time. We want to <laughs> let you get out You're of good. there now that spring practice is over. I I mean, I could legitimately talk for like eight hours right now without a problem. Yeah. This is, this, this, oh, this, this I appreciate is, it. This is cool. I love these conversations, man. I get to talk about you. Thank you. what well, I yeah. do, man. I mean, this is, uh, we're, we're going to talk offline here in a second about music, but uh, we will wrap it up here today. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back later this week with another interview. Um, and we appreciate everyone tuning in to the Believe in Badgers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network presented by betonline.ag. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.